It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 Three one three eight one. Four five six seven, or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we welcome you into the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, January 21st, 2011. We appreciate uh, you being a part of the program, and we look forward to your participation tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is back after a week of absence, Dad, welcome back to the program. Thank you, Jacob. Great to be with you. You got things squared away over there? No, I'm still working. <laughs> okay, well, you can work on that, and we'll work on getting you ready to join in the program. You can participate in the program tonight by dialing 877-381-4567. That's toll-free. Why not pick up the phone and give us a call tonight, or send us an email to questions at collegeview.com, or join in the chat room with other listeners. Dean in Louisiana is there, and we'll look for others to filter into that chat room as the program goes on tonight. And so we look forward to your participation in any of the methods that we've mentioned so far. And those email, the email address and the phone number is also the number, the ways you would contact us if you're listening to us in the recorded version, as many are uh, listening to us in the recorded version. We look forward to hearing from you. Uh, if you have any question or comment about something you've heard, maybe you are listening to this program and it's three or four years from now and you still have questions about uh, something that we said, we'd like to hear from you at any time. Send us an email or give us a call. You're all set now. I, I hope so. We should mention, Jacob, that we uh, uh, had some serious Internet service provider issues not that long ago today, uh, just late this afternoon. And so uh, if, if we're having trouble getting out, you might send us something in we the chat room. We are solid now. It looks like we're pretty good. They said they were working on it, so hopefully they got it fixed. But if there is an issue, you might let us know by email or chat room if it will come through. All right, and uh, tonight's topic is very interesting. We're going to talk about steps to a broken home, and I'm all over this one. Okay. I, Termites. That's a big problem. No, we're not talking about Bold houses. Oh, we're no, talking okay. about homes. Okay. Uh, I remembered, I, I saw an article that I'll reference later uh, in the program, and it got me to thinking about uh, all the issues that that, that are like my, a minefield for married couples, mm-hmm. troubles and issues that lead to divorce. And I remembered from years ago an article written by Bill Hall, and many of our listeners will know Bill Hall, a gospel preacher in Alabama. And I called Bill and was able to track down that article that I remembered from years ago. And it, and that is the title of our study tonight, Six Steps to a Broken Home. And it's based on an article by Bill Hall. And we're going to use his article as sort of an outline for our discussion tonight, talking about the things that he says can lead up to, some of the things that the, it doesn't happen overnight. In fact, he starts out and he says, A home is seldom destroyed overnight. Its destruction is usually the result of certain fatal steps taken over a lengthy period of time. In these days when so many homes are crumbling, we would do well to examine our own marital relationships to see if we have begun to travel the road to inevitable breakup. Mm. I, think, I think that's a really uh, wise observation. Of course, I regard Bill Hall to be a wise man, and I think he's made a wise statement there that, uh, you know, th- we should keep our eyes wide open and be aware of any threats or dangers to our marriages. All right. Well, those with perfect marriages don't have to worry about this. Well, of course, there aren't any, and so the, and I know you're making that point, so everybody needs to be on okay. guard. All right. We look forward to hearing from you. And uh, you were asked earlier today to our update list then uh, some comments on these, and we'll take the comments, I guess, as we go along. Yeah, yeah basically what we said is do, will you just give us a comment about each of the six areas that – Bill Hall says leads to a breakup. I'll, I'll, I'll mention the six quickly, and we'll come to them one by one. Starts out with selfishness, in, then intolerance, then resignation, then end of sexual relations, then adultery or infidelity, and then finally separation. Okay, that's the way Bill had it broken down. I think it's a pretty good analysis of how it how that sort of thing transpires. Now, before we get to talking about those steps in the process, Jacob, we had a couple of emails in which some of our respondents just sort of dealt with the preliminary idea you need to you need to build your marriage strong and you need to start right 
That's right. Uh, uh, Don in Antioch, Tennessee, says, I believe that the article was written on the premises that these were once solidly built homes in the first place because he starts out by saying a home is seldom destroyed overnight, and that is destruction takes place over a lengthy period of time. While the article... Um, while the article um, that addresses common causes of broken homes, if we are talking about solidly built Christian homes, then I don't think these are the problem with our soaring divorce rates because most Christian marriages can survive these problems and if, if and when they r- arise. Therefore, if you want to address the soaring divorce rates, instead of starting out by saying a home is seldom destroyed overnight, we should say a Christian home is not built overnight. Most homes today consist of unmarried couples. And he goes on to talk about the fact that these unmarried couples have illegitimate children running around. And uh, many of these homes, he continues, that do consist of married couples started out living together while unmarried. This is the problem, and this is where our society, especially among people who claim to be Christian, have failed. God's plan for marriage is perfect, and his standards for divorce are perfect. And if we would only go by his perfect plan, we would not need a list of six steps to analyze. I I agree with that statement, but therein lies the problem. We are not perfect. We, we don't make perfect application. God's way is perfect. Our, our attempts to implement it are, are flawed. And so we, got, we have got to be on guard against those flaws that can destroy marriage. And he admits that a, uh, a good home is never built overnight. A Christian home is never built overnight. And that is true. And just because two Christians may marry, it does not mean that their marriage will be immune from problems. Yeah. Wade in Hampshire, Tennessee, mentioned just in a brief email in which he mentions a similar thing. He said, I want to add another point. I think all these are good, talking about the points in the article. But when God is removed from the relationship, everything starts to fall apart. That's why it's important to marry a Christian. When one starts to fall, the other can help. And and we've made that point before, and I think it's a worthy point that we married. If you want to safeguard your marriage, you start even before you're married. Right. And you seek to marry a person with the right character you seek to per- marry a person who has the same shared faith and values that you have. Because if you don't, of course, then, and unfortunately we've seen this all too often, we see Christians who are trying, the Christian mate in such a marriage is trying to live by the rules. But the one who's not a Christian doesn't care about the rules. And so you're not playing, it's not an even playing field, and then you get yourself in all kind of trouble. Terrible so I, I, I think those observations are, are worth noting. If you want a strong marriage, you've got to start early, and especially you've got to pick the right kind of mate, uh, and, and that's a great challenge. But we've, we've, we've dealt with that on the virtual Bible study before. But the things we're going to talk about tonight are make the assumption that both people want to work on, the, on that issue. And if yeah. both people aren't, as you said, playing by the same rules, then there certainly is a fertile ground for trouble. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. The chat room's filling up. We've got Patrick in Iowa, Kevin in Arkansas, Sharon in South Carolina, and Jack in Hampshire, Tennessee filtering in there. Well, uh, we got we got some of them saying that there may be an audio, uh, a lag with the audio and well, the video. And the video's not good, but, um, well, the video's never good. If you can hear us, uh, count your blessings tonight. Maybe uh, you, you maybe you should just uh, be content with that. <laughs> you won't have but, nightmares, maybe, if you can just hear us. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, keep keep giving us some feedback on our quality. We we were having serious issues with our internet provider earlier today, so it, it, they may not be fully resolved. We had some bad weather pass through that made it worse. It was bad before the storms passed by, and I think the the storms made it even worse. So the first see. on the list tonight is selfishness. So uh, and read what Bill Hall says there. He says this may be the number one enemy of a happy life. Each person is doing his own thing. Neither is willing to give up what he wants to do. That wholesome, act, uh, that wholesome activities may be enjoyed together. Each is seeking his own satisfaction in material realms, in sexual activities, or in time spent with relatives. With little concern for the partner's satisfaction in these matters, the long road is begun. With selfishness, he says. So selfishness, uh, he he says that selfishness is the starting point. I, I I thought it was interesting the way he worded that. Selfishness is the number one enemy of a happy life. He's not talking. He, he's not just talking about married life. He's talking about life in general. That's ironic. That if you're selfish, you'll you'll likely be unhappy. Not just in a marriage relationship, but in all relationships. If you're just uh, thinking about yourself exclusively. Um, Jeff, I've got you a chart there that you might pop up. I found a survey from a while back, a survey of 730 marriage counselors, and it was pointed out uh, no two people are alike. That includes husband and wife. 
And with different people come different personalities, different ideas, and often different lives. That can mean problems. Every marriage has them. The difference between a strong marriage and a weak one is the way that these problems are handled. So basically saying all marriages have to work through issues. A strong marriage, the difference between a strong marriage and a weak one is how they handle their issues. But here were the top ten reasons for divorce or the most common marital problems were based on these things. And I I thought it was kind of interesting. You can see selfishness underlying almost all of these. Breakdown in communication, number one. Loss of shared goals or interests. Sexual incompatibility. Infidelity. The excitement and fun have gone out of the marriage. Money. Conflicts about children. Alcohol and drug abuse. Women's equality issues and in-laws. Hmm. And I think if you if you were to break down every one of those things in that list, you you could probably trace it all the way back to a root cause of of uh, selfishness. For instance, the money issue. Why would why would me and my wife have trouble over money, except that one or both of us is being selfish about how the money is being used? Okay. Uh, you could certainly say the th- same thing about um, uh, alcohol and drug abuse. The, right. the, the alcoholic or the drug abuser is selfishly pursuing that unconcerned about the damage that he's causing not only to himself but also to others right and so uh, i just thought it was interesting as you look at a at a a, from marriage counselors if you look at a top 10 breakdown of marital problems you see selfishness as a root cause of almost every one of them that's right and uh, i think we would probably say selfishness would be a root cause of most sin most sin is uh me looking out for what I want with reg- without regard for what God wants or what our, my fellow man needs. Uh, selfishness certainly would be a root cause of many sins, as it is in the list that you have there, and certainly it is a problem in our families. Uh, we got several emails uh, that have all agreed, basically, that selfishness is a big problem. Jeff, who's running our board Jeff tonight. Jeff is behind the board tonight, Jeff. Uh, uh, Jeff says selfishness is not good for any relationship, but especially in marriage. Genesis 2.24 talks about how the two shall become one. Matthew 19.5 refers to two shall shall become one. When the two are joined, there is no room for me. It should be what's best for us. I think that's a good observation, Jeff. All right. uh, Kevin Kelly in uh, Arkansas says uh, focus must be first above and then towards others to remove items from the list that you had there. So he's talking about selfishness. If we get rid of selfishness, we'll get rid of a lot of sins in our life. Exactly right. Uh, Jack uh, uh, here in Arkansas. well, he's in Hampshire, Tennessee, right? Selfishness. No child likes to play with a selfish child. So how can a, ro- a grown person who is selfish expect to find their spouse to want to be around them? One of the reasons I love my wife is because she is not selfish. She puts my concerns before her own, and her unselfish behavior only encourages me to reciprocate, and that's a win-win situation. All right. So Good. in an ideal, I think Jack has pointed out, in an ideal marriage, you get selfish selfishness out of the equation, and you serve each other, that's 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 ideal. All right. Okay. All right. Uh, we have an interesting email from Stephen. Where's Stephen? He's up and, north. Yeah, uh, he told me where he'd moved. He used to be in Pennsylvania, but I think he's in Michigan now. All right. I think Stephen is single, if I remember correctly. Right. I think that's and right. He's taking this. Uh, he's approaching your question tonight from the single perspective. He says, from the list, it seems as if these things lead to divorce while in a marriage. However, these things should have taken we should have taken care of prior to marriage because they have the ability to carry themselves over into marriage in negative ways. So the process of working on these things should occur prior to marriage. Let's look at the following examples. Selfishness. If we only focus on ourselves and do not try to serve others, how could we ever start to serve our spouse? I think that's right. And and so what, we're, what Stephen is saying is that we really, if from an early age, need to try to work on the on the root problem of selfishness. Selfishness is devastates all relationships, right. not just marriage relationships. It, selfishness devastates relationships in the church among brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, it, it, it's a problem in work relationships. It's a problem in family relationships. It's certainly a problem in marriages. Uh, and Jeff, and, and uh, Stephen makes a good point that that's something that we can and should work on from early on rooting out selfishness well and uh, and it's a good uh, that Stephen, if if he is in fact single i think he is if my memory serves me correct is looking for that uh, characteristic in his own life and also in the life of prospective spouse and if we do see that in our own lives we need to root it out and if you see if you're interested in someone who displays the selfishness then that oh man that's a red huge red right, flag. right right uh, uh paul wrote in philippians chapter two 
uh, beginning, or well, at verse 4, or verse 3, let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now, he wasn't talking about marriage. That context there in Philippians chapter 2 is not a, a passage on marriage. Right. But he says we ought to do that in regards to all other people. Well, certainly then we ought to have that attitude toward uh, uh, our spouses. Think of them before thinking of self. That is the mind of Christ. He thought of us before he thought of himself. And so we ought, to, we ought to pursue that same kind of mentality. All right. We've got some other verses that we can look at in respect to marriage in particular, because there are a lot of uh, passages that talk about selfishness in marriage. Uh, but we need to take a break. Okay. And when we get back from the break, we'll continue that discussion. And then we've got five other warning signs and steps to a broken home. And we will get uh, taking care of those so that our homes can stay strong or become strong. We'll take a break and we'll get this week's uh, get your comments. And then we'll continue right after this. Don't touch that mouse. The virtual Bible study will be back right after this. Do you remember when no one would have thought twice about getting the church involved in daycare centers, kindergarten, softball leagues, and youth camps? Are you upset when churches spend more time and money on social programs and recreational activities than on spreading the gospel? Are you tired of seeing congregations with their emphasis in entirely the wrong areas? We're still preaching the same gospel and still practicing the same things that you remember from years ago. We're committed to the idea of speaking where the Bible speaks and being silent where the Bible is silent. Check us out. Please visit soon at the College View Church of Christ. Here are some quotes worth pondering. Every man of courage is a man of his word. The less religion a church has, the more entertainment it takes to keep it going. No matter how bad your situation, you can lose your temper and make it worse. Man, I wish I'd said that. Quit checking your email. The commercials are over and the virtual Bible study is ready to roll. Take it away, guys. And we welcome you back to the program tonight as we talk about steps to a broken home. And we're talking about selfishness now. And we've got some good comments that have been rolling in during the break. Um, Jack says, one denies self by esteeming others better than self. Philippians 2, verse 3, which you referenced earlier. John 13, 3 through 17. And humbling oneself before God. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6. Patrick says, isn't selfish, selfishness something that most Christians spend their whole lives trying to get rid of? The love of God should be first and foremost, then selfishness will go away. I think you're right, Pat. Great to have you listening out there in Iowa, Pat. All right. Uh, Dean in uh, Louisiana says, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 7 would also teach us that we are to place our spouse above ourselves. And uh, Patrick agrees that uh, he has a lot of work to do in his life, as we all do, Patrick, and we can, uh, we can uh, all... Do better about that. Yeah, exactly right. All right, Jack also follows up. Self-control is another way to put self to death. Proverbs 16, verse 32. Galatians 5, 23. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 6. One who exercises proper self-control is one who brings every thought and action into conformity with the will of God. And that does. Selfishness, removing selfishness does re- require self-control. Now, before the break, we talked about the fact that there were many passages about selfishness, but a lot of passages that specifically talk about selfishness in our marriage relationship. Yeah, exactly right. Uh, I was thinking of Ephesians 5. Of course, Ephesians 5 is a famous text on, yep. on marriage. Yep. And he, he says there, husbands, love your wives. He, or Verse 24, this is Ephesians 5, 24. Therefore, as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands and everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Yep. And so that's a sacrificial kind of love like Jesus had. You certainly couldn't be selfish. Jesus could never have been a selfish being. And even come close to doing what he accomplished for us uh, in his life and in his sacrifice. And the challenge for husbands is to have that kind of same selflessness toward our wives. All right. And First Peter chapter 3, verse 7, also directed to the husband. Husbands likewise dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, as being heirs together of the grace of God, that your prayers may not be hindered. There's another passage that talks about uh, being selfless as we... Uh, we give preference uh, to our wives, and we look to their needs instead of our own. Okay. All right. And then uh, Galatians or Colossians chapter three verse nineteen again directed the husbands: Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter towards them. Uh, and so again, you have to get rid of that selfishness. A lot of times, the bitterness does arrive arise as a result of uh, selfishness uh, with respect to your wife. That, that bitterness, that attitude that uh, God has forbidden there. And then finally, uh, directed towards the wife in uh, Titus chapter 2, verse 4, 
some of the things that the older women are to teach their younger, the younger women to be sober, to love their husbands, and to love their children. And uh, you can't properly love someone, Dad, if you are selfish and don't have their needs in front of your own. All right. Uh, we, we've got uh, one more email from Jim in Mount Pleasant, Tennessee. And uh, on the subject of selfishness, he says this has to be at the top of the list. As Christians, we are to be selfless, just as our Savior was. When we begin to focus on self, we easily begin to serve Satan. First John 2, verses 15 through 17. Of course, the things of the world. Yeah. All the things of the world are things we would pursue selfishly. All right. The chat room still goes strong tonight. Kevin says selfishness is the opposite of self-control, or at least not in harmony with self-control. Pat in Iowa says, let's be honest here, how many of us are successful at even coming close to what God would have us to? Uh, I hope and pray that uh, the good Lord gives us all time that we need to arrive to that point. And certainly we have room to grow, and uh, we need to be striving for that every day. Uh, Jack agrees. Uh, he says self-sacrifice is important for us all. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. Christians are to be a living sacrifice unto God, living each day to accomplish the good works for which they were created. And, uh, you know, we over and go, over again. We could probably do a whole we all, virtual we Bible study on one. selfishness because it is a, a root problem of, that leads to so many other uh, things, but we, we want to press on to try and cover some of these other things that progress. There's a progression here. The right. idea of, the, of Bill Hall's article that we're following tonight suggests the idea there's a progression of things that happen uh, that lead to a breakup of a marriage. And so after a person becomes consumed with selfishness, then the second thing is intolerance. Bill wrote, faults in one's partner begin to show up uh, that somehow had been hidden during the courtship period. Or, if the faults were evident, they become far more irritating in a day-to-day, living-together relationship. Gradually, those faults are magnified. Nagging begins. Each decides that he has made a terrible mistake in the marriage. Disillusionment sets in. Mm. So, I, I think that, that, again, that sort of identifies the situation real well. They, they, they decide they they're not very compatible. They can't start, tolerate each other. Well, you start to see the other person's faults more clearly. Yeah, uh, and I think that is really a, a true observation. But, you know, if we're not careful, we can allow that sort of thing to happen. And uh, it's, Well, it's not unheard of that other people's problems would be easier to spot than my own. Matthew chapter 7 uh, Jesus talks about the uh, moat versus the beam. The beam. Yeah. You know, the, the speck in your eyes easier for me to see than the beam in my own eye. And if I'm around you 24-7, it's really easy. It's on my nerves. <laughs> it's yeah. really easy for me to see it. 20- yeah. So that, that's what he's pointing out. Well, what we've got to do is we've got to, we've got to develop the fruits of the Spirit in our, in our lives. Notice the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5.22, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, Against such there is no law. If we, if, if certainly your mate is going to have some idiosyncrasies that might not be what you would want them to be, but if you have love and patience and long suffering and forgiveness, you can overlook some. And we're not talking about overlooking sinful things, but we're just talking. I don't like the way she squeezes the toothpaste in the middle of the tube instead of from the end. I'm very diligent to work the toothpaste up from the end. And she squeezes it in the middle. And, man, that just drives me crazy. Yeah. Well, that's just, that's just intolerance. That, that's, not a, that's not love. That's not patience. That's not long-suffering. Certainly not forbearance. Those, all those kind of characteristics help us to, to overcome allowing. What we, you, you, you allow yourself to become intolerant of such things. And you allow these things. They're, you know, when you when you get a couple that's fighting, when you get them to sit down and talk about it, you realize they're fighting over something that doesn't even matter. It's so petty. And yet they've, they have blown these things up to enormous right. degree, and now they just can't they can't stand it. All right, 877-381-4567, questions at collegeu.com, and be sure to get in the chat room tonight where Patrick in Iowa says, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 7, Love is patient, love is kind, and is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant, does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own, is not provoked, does not take take into account wrong, uh, suffered, does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things. And that probably is the tolerance here that we're talking about, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Uh, Certainly 
those uh, passages there are very vital and crucial to our marriage. Jeff, behind the controls tonight, uh, Jeff, you, you said that intolerance, uh, you, re- you commented the best marriage I have observed is the one that uh, has God first. They are also best friends. If you have best uh, best friend is that, that does you wrong, more than likely you're going to overlook their flaws. The only perfect person was Jesus, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 33. Let, nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Uh, Jeff, good comments there. Uh, Jeff, uh, Jeff's not married. Jeff's looking for a wife. And Jeff, uh, when you find one, she's not going to be perfect, nor are you. So you've got to be prepared uh, for, for dealing with those uh, imperfections. Hey, Jacob, we've got somebody in the chat room we haven't heard from in a while. Jack from Georgia. You know Jack and Lisa. I do. I do, yeah. And he mentions that they're going to have 25 years of uh, – he, he sent me an email the other day. I hadn't heard from him in a while. And he, uh, congratulations, Jack, on 25 years of marriage on Monday. I remember and, when they got married. I do, too. You were there. I was there. Uh, and, and I married them. Yes, you did. Uh, two people coming together, Jack says – who are not related can make for some challenging situations. There's no doubt about that. Uh, Jack here in Hampshire, Tennessee, says we all have idiosyncrasies. The one who's bugged about what the other one does has his own idiosyncrasies. So I'm mad at at my wife because she squeezes the toothpaste tube in the middle. But I'm not taking into account the fact that I burp and scratch, you know, inappropriately, you know. Yeah. And so how am I better than, than her? What we got really, Now, understand that if I know that something I do irritates my mate, I, I'm unselfishly, our first point, I should try to quit doing that, right. which irritates. But there, it's going to be impossible to rid every little quirk that right. every person has. And if we love one another and, and, and if we're patient and long-suffering and forbearing, we can work through those things. Well, Patrick is honest. He says, in our 27 years of marriage, my wife has put up with enough for me for two marriages. Well, we know Pat out in Iowa, and Pat, that that could possibly be some. <laughs> I'm just teasing Pat. But uh, they, what Pat's saying, basically, is what we all have to realize. There can be no limit right. to our our willingness to forgive, forbear, be patient with our spouse. Well, the, the comments that we're getting tonight do come from experience. Jack has been married 27 and a half years. Sharon will be married 30 years on August 1st. And so uh, it's uh, we've got some good experience here uh, in the chat room tonight. All right. Very good. Uh, Dean is less than 15, so he's still a newlywed. Yeah, well, he is. He's still working on it. And, and again, Jack in, in Hampshire says patience is a must. I think that's right. But I think Bill Hall has sort of pinned that down. You start out by being selfish, and because of your unselfishness, then you become intolerant of the things that your that your mate does. We got some other. Emails. We do, and then we have an email from Jack as well, who's also in the chat room. He says, "Not sure if you're referring to being impatient with annoyances or unwilling to recognize a difference of opinions." I will share my thoughts on the former. All of us have things we do which are annoying to others. Hopefully you had a long engagement to determine whether or not her annoyances were something you could deal with. But if you didn't, then the sooner you recognize she's having to deal with your annoyances, the better off you will be. Those who, with good marriages have learned to accept one another and see all the good and focus less on the bad. You know, i, I got to tell this story. My, my friend Bob Hines up in Indiana used this illustration once. You know, uh, young couples these days argue that they need to live together for a while to see if they're compatible. And, you know, basically they're talking about sharing sexual relations to Mm -hmm. see if they're compatible. My friend Bob Hines uh, says that's not a a legitimate test at all. He said if you want to see whether you're compatible or not, he says wallpaper a room together. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You, You know how frustrating it can be to hang wallpaper. He says do that together. See how you react under those stressful conditions. Then you're going to get a better idea of how compatible you are. And I, th- I think that's a good observation. But, again, uh, in, in line with what Jack was saying, we need, to, we need to determine, you know, this ahead of time. And then once we make the commitment of marriage, then we've got to work through. If, if there are annoyances, there will be annoyances. We've yeah. got to work through them. We've got our own uh, idiosyncrasies as well, as has been stated. Uh, Stephen. In Michigan says, if we're nitpicking at other brethren without taking ourselves into account or if we're dogmatic in our way of life prior to marriage, then we'll be highly controlling in, uh, of our spouses. I think it's good. That's true. And again, Stephen's taking the perspective of the one looking for a mate and working on himself prior to marriage. And then finally, Jim in Mount Pleasant, Tennessee, says uh, intolerance can easily be brought about by selfishness. 
uh, when we want our way, we will not consider anyone else being right. And I think that's right on. All right. I can't tolerate the slow pace that we're going tonight. We've done two of the six in half of the program, and so we're behind schedule. We'll go faster on the other side of the break. But we still have to talk about the next one. That's resignation. What are you talking about there? What's Brother Hall talking about? Resignation. Let me read this, and then we'll comment about it when we get back. He says, both parties now become resigned to their situation. Quote, we've made our bed. We'll just have to lie in it, they think. No further effort is made to build a happy home. Communication virtually ceases. Love begins to fade, and in many cases gives way to bitterness. Mm. So that's the idea. You resign yourself to the fact this is never going to be right. This is going to be horrible. Okay. We'll talk about that on the other side of the break. This week's bullet points coming up at you next, and then we'll hopefully take your comments in the best way for you to be heard. A lot of a lot of marriage expertise in the chat room tonight a lot of uh, experienced uh, mates here why not give us a call and share your experience on the phone at 877-381-4567 how do you ensure a successful marriage how do we make sure we don't have a broken home 877-381-4567 don't go anywhere the virtual bible study will continue right after this you won't want to miss what we talk about next the discussion continues right after these important messages this is greg gwen with this week's bullet point As the children of God, we are to be different from people of this world. That's what Romans 12, verse 2 says. We'd like to challenge you to do a little personal evaluation and see if you really are different. For example, are you different in the way you dress? Too many Christians allow the fashion trends of a godless society to dictate how they dress. When God's children can be seen wearing swimming suits, shorts, halters, and the like, how can we say that we're different from the world? Are you different in the way you talk? We've heard Christians using swear words, telling dirty jokes, and using other forms of coarse speech. Usually those who do so are seldom found speaking the precious word of truth. How are we different? Are you different in the way you act? When the people of God go to all the same places and do all the same things that the people of the world do, how can they claim to be different? Many, if not most, of the movies shown today are unfit for viewing by the faithful child of God. Television is full of all sorts of ungodliness. Yet Christians are watching it all and imitating the sinful things they see. It ought not to be so. Smoking, social drinking, dancing, sexual morality, and a host of other sinful deeds are all too prevalent among those who call themselves Christians. Are you different in the way you serve God? All of this really boils down to a lack of willingness to humbly submit to God. The majority of people in the world like to give lip service to God, yet they proceed to do just as they please. Some Christians are not far behind. They serve God only when it pleases them and only when it serves their purpose, not God's purpose. Christian, how are you different? If you're living like God expects you to live, it will become obvious. Others will, quote, think it strange that you run not with them to the same excessive riot. 1 Peter 4, verse 4. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. Hi, my name is Bob Tidwell, and I want to remind you that the Virtual Bible Study provides a great opportunity to use your computer for something good. So turn off the TV and guide your family around the computer each Thursday night for the Virtual Bible Study. Share your comment with the world. Call in now and be a part of the Virtual Bible Study. Now, back to the program. Welcome you back to the Virtual Bible Study, and we'll remind you this program is brought to you by the College U Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. If you're in the Columbia, Tennessee area and you're listening to us, why not come and Worship with us. Find out more about this by visiting us on Sunday mornings at 9.30, Sunday evenings at 6, and Wednesday evenings at 7. You'd be welcome at any of these services. We look forward to meeting you soon. If you're not in the Columbia, Tennessee area, you can still find out more about us by going to our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. You can also find archives of all of our programs for from the past five years, almost six years now. And uh, we look forward to, to hearing from you if you have any questions about what we believe or what we practice. We're talking about marriage on the program tonight and talking about steps to a broken home. We've talked about selfishness. We've talked about intolerance. And the topic we want to talk about now is the next in the step. And, again, the idea of the article that we're examining tonight is that these are progressive, that you start with being selfish, then that selfishness leads to intolerance, and the intolerance leads to resignation. All right. Um Jack mentions in the chat room, we've got multiple Jacks in the chat room tonight, but Jack uh, in Hampshire, Tennessee, says, for those young married couples out there, you must never, never, never quit giving your best towards your spouse. In other words, you can never stop working at it. Uh, Marriages are not perfect because they're made up of two people who are not perfect. Therefore, there are going to be issues. We we mentioned earlier from that that poll uh, from marriage counselors, they said that, that really the difference between a strong marriage and a weak one is in the way that, mar- uh, that marriage problems are handled. 
So you've got to keep working at your problems. You can't resolve, just resign yourself and say, eh, there's no use. It'll never be better. You've got to keep working. I think Jack makes a good point there. Uh, Jeff has mentioned uh, – uh, well, you, did, you didn't comment on that one, Jeff. Um, I got Jack, uh, who's in the chat room, also sending an email. He said, it's not about me. It's not about, oh, woe is me. Instead, it's about, here's what I can do for my marriage. Besides, negative thoughts lead to negative actions. If your spouse is not honestly doing her best, then you will need to seek help from older, more mature sisters in Christ. Bottom line is that there's help out there, and I know if both people put God before each other, it will get better. I think that's an important point that Jack mentions there. We've got to have faith that working God's plan works. Well, that's true. Uh, Now, obviously... In a marriage, you need both people working God's plan. If only one of them is, then there's a, a severe handicap underway, and that, that needs to be understood. But if we're both working, uh, trying to apply God's plan for our marriage, it can get better. It will get better if we work God's plan. All right. We and need that, to have that faith. That's true. I mean, that's an excellent point. And, uh, you know, it doesn't if, – if, 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 if you are going to put the other person first, God said you'll be blessed, we've got to have confidence that his plan works as you said. 877-381-4567, questions at collegeu.com. They're tell, telling us that we're quiet in the chat. Maybe we need to start talking louder. Can you start yelling at them? They're, they're, okay. they're, they're fall, right. Maybe it's they're falling asleep. You know, when you start to fall asleep, things get quieter. All right. All right, don't fall asleep on us. I have to keep dealing with this right, here in the chat. we got a lot of good activity in the chat room, by the way. Yes, we do. It's uh, good and lots of good uh, chatter there. Uh, Stephen... Uh, wherever Stephen's from, says if we're... Stephen's from Michigan. He's in Michigan. If we ever give up on God prior to marriage, then we will surely give up on our spouses. All right. In other words, uh, you've got to... Again, work God's plan. Work God's plan. And Jim in Mount Pleasant, Tennessee, says another way of saying that you give up... Another way of saying that you give up... Is resignation. Is resignation. You're just giving up. Faith leads us to believe in God, who is providential and gracious. He can see us through even the darkest times. Okay. So I think those are good points. Are you getting emails over there, by the way? Are you checking uh, your emails? Tonight? I only got one, and I got one from Troy up in Hendersonville. Hey, good to hear and, from Troy. Well, he was asking about a technical problem that I think is our problem. He wants to listen to audio only. We probably didn't start that stream tonight. Well, Jeff might get that stream started. You can check, Jeff. If you haven't started it, it's no problem. Just push the button, and it'll start. Uh, but... Uh, Jeff is on top of things tonight, yeah, yeah, but yeah. Uh, so we'll see. But we have kind of been neglecting our audio-only stream, I think. Sometimes, sometimes we do because uh, that's you know when we started this program six years ago, uh, internet. We were worried that any people would have a broadband connection and could listen. Now everybody has a broadband connection in that amount of time, and they want video. Nobody listens to the audio feed anymore if they're listening to us live. It's just that's how much the technology's changed. You know, in I, short I years. meant to do this earlier today. Jay. Next week will be our sixth. We started on July 28, 2005. So really, this I suppose we would say this is the last program of the sixth year yeah. of the Virtual Bible Study. We'll next week, we'll start year, our seventh year. year. All right. So we'll have a little anniversary episode. All right. We've been, we've been solving insomnia for six years. All right. All right. Uh, Kevin Kelly in the chat room says he remembers back to those days of audio only. So Kevin's been listening for a long time. Okay. Uh-huh. All right. So... We've talked about selfishness leads to intolerance, leads to a just a re- resignation that it's bad and never get better. The next step, uh, according to the article, we're following Bill Hall's uh, progression, and I think it's a very good uh, explanation. He says the end of sexual relations. The communication barrier soon affects the sexual relationship, and the couple finds themselves no longer enjoying and fulfilling this God-given purpose in marriage. They have allowed their marriage to deteriorate into a mere housekeeping relationship. Such people may be easy pushovers for the next step. And, of course, the next step is going to be infidelity. Okay. But uh, uh, you can see, you you can almost see how it would be so. I'm very selfish. You are selfish. And I'm not getting my way. That's right. And and now I've become intolerant of my wife. She does things that just drive me crazy. I, I can't stand it. But now I've just resolved myself to the fact that, it's never going to get better. It just never, ever will be better. This is the way. This is my lot in life. Right. I'm just going to have to put up with this. It's not. It's, there's no hope. Now, why would why would I care to have sexual relationships with my wife? Why would I care for that kind of intimacy that God right. designed into marriage? I, I don't even like her. Right. And she drives me crazy, really. 
Why would I even care to have an intimate relationship in that in that kind of situation? You can see how that would progress. All right. Yes, it is. And uh, so, uh, Jeff, uh, he references 1 Corinthians 7, verses 2 through 5, nevertheless, because of sexual immorality, let each man have his own wife and let each woman have her own husband. Let the husband render to his wife the affection due her and likewise also the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another except with consent for a time that you may give yourselves to fasting and prayer and come together again so that Satan does not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Jeff goes on and adds, it definitely can hurt marriage. Right. Um, Jack in Hampshire says, maintaining a sexual relationship with your spouse will only help to bring you closer together. God designed this act not only to propagate the species, but also for enjoyment and intimacy. I have come to believe the longer that you deprive one another of sexual relations, the more difficult your relationship with your spouse will be. I think that's exactly right. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 7 teaches uh, along that line. Jeff referenced that. Yeah, and so, you know, that's a God-given instruction. That's part of his plan. It cannot be neglected. And and I think Jack is right when he says you neglect it. Then that harms the relationship in other ways, not just in that specific part of the relationship, but you neglect that, then other parts of the relationship also suffer. Right. And Stephen, again, looking at this from the, the perspective of someone who's single, says this would actually be a great spiritual thing prior to marriage because you shouldn't be in a sexual relationship. And uh, he also adds, uh, though I'm curious about how sexual impure, impurity prior to marriage may result in our marriages, uh, does that play into a big impact? Uh, I, I think this is another point where if someone's not living as they should prior to marriage, there's going to be problems during the marriage. I think, sure I think well. that there are, are studies that have proven that, you know, uh, illicit sexual behavior prior to marriage does impact marriages. In fact, I think recently I saw a study in which people who lived together before marriage were something like twice as likely to get a divorce, mm. or maybe it was even more so than that. But there was certainly a much higher prevalence of divorce among people who lived together before marriage. So, you know, God God knows what he's saying, and he knows that, you know, <laughs> in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4, the Hebrew writer says, Marriage is honorable in all. Let me, let me get there and read it exactly as it's worded. In, uh, uh, Hebrews 13, 4, marriage is honorable in all and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. Right. Clearly, God intends the, mar- the sexual relationship to be preserved in marriage. Right. And if we violate that, then we're going we're gonna to bring other heartache into our lives. Jack says this is God's plan and we must not neglect it or we will suffer. And Jim in Mount Pleasant says again, this is the byproduct of selfishness. The scriptures are clear about concepts of sacrifice and sometimes even dealing with marital relationships. We must provide due benevolence that's referenced in 1 Corinthians 7 to provide for our spouse. All right. You know, again, but in this matter, again, it's it's serving one another. Right. I, I'll I shouldn't look at this selfishly. My needs are not being met. This is what I want. Right. No, I should look at what was my mate need and want. Right. And then not serving self but trying to be a servant to the other is is the solution to that problem. Okay. 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. And we are being witness to a marital problem that's going on in Louisiana tonight live in the chat room. Dean's wife wants to go get a Diet Coke, but he told her she'd have to wait until after the virtual Bible study. <laughs> he hopes that won't damage his marriage. So they're, 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 they're working it out in the chat room. I think he's getting some marriage counseling uh, right now okay. about how to deal with uh, that crisis in his marriage. We'll take oh, a break. Hopefully that will work out. I hope it will. It would be a shame that, to, to, for the marriage to dissolve over a Diet Coke. Uh, we're going to take a break, and uh, when we get back, we've got to talk about adultery or, and separation. I, 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 adultery or, you know, maybe infidelity. a more general term, infidelity. Yeah. Okay, we'll talk about that and separation. And, and, and a little tease about what we're going to talk about in infidelity. I want to bring in this cyber okay. sex question, okay. you know, that this sexting and so forth. that has been so much in the news. That's becoming a huge problem. We need to talk about that in in the broad category of adultery or infidelity. We'll talk about that on the other side. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study goes to the top of the hour right after this. These guys are doing all of the talking. We need to hear from you. Call in now. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. 
tonight on Channel 8 WSIN. It's TV like you've never seen it before. Starting at 8, it's TV's funniest new comedy, Fornication in the City, and Marie has been misbehaving again. Guess what? I just cheated on my husband. He doesn't even know about it. (laughs) And then at 8.30, it's the show that's setting the standard. You won't want to miss this week's I Love This World, where Bob makes a great announcement. Well, I think it's time you knew the truth. I'm gay. (laughs) And at 9 o'clock. It's the show that Television Magazine has called the number one drama for murder and violence. You won't want to miss this week's In Cold Blood to see who will be the next to be gunned down. It all starts tonight at 8 o'clock on Channel 8 WSIN. I'm Greg Gwynn reminding you that sin is a terrible thing and that those who are entertained by watching others sin fall under the condemnation of God that is mentioned in Romans 1.28. Be careful what you watch on television because in spite of what the devil wants you to think, sin is always sin and it's never funny. My name is Steve Novorak reminding you to listen to the Virtual Bible Study every Thursday night at 8 o'clock Central Time. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. The Virtual Bible Study continues. And we're back on the program tonight, and we appreciate you for being there as we talk about marriage problems and steps to a broken home. Yeah. Uh, Here's the progression, uh, as our friend Bill Hall has suggested it. I think it's a, a very fitting description of how this comes about. Start out with selfishness, then you become intolerant of your mate, then you resign yourself to the fact it's never going to get better, then sexual relations end, and he says such people will be easy pushovers for the next step, which is adultery. That's what First Corinthians 7 says. Yeah, that if you neglect, neglect that, you're putting yourself in a place of temptation. He says temptations can arise so unexpectedly, and many a person whose physical needs are not being met at home may yield to the temptation. Rationalization comes easy in such cases. The person feels he has never gotten a fair shake at home. He deserves this newfound attention, this true love, question mark. He deserves it. He is sure someone understands him for the first time. How deceptive sin is. Considerable time has passed since our couple took those first steps toward a broken home, but now their journey is completed. Only one other step remains. Uh, What about this? In other words, obviously the marriage is in a shambles, and sexual relations have basically become non-existent. Uh, uh, As Bill pointed out, you're, you're you're just an easy target for this next step of committing sexual infidelity, yeah, adultery. Um, along those lines, you know, recently the, the uh, Anthony Weiner scandal, Congressman Anthony Weiner in, in Washington brought to light what is a huge thing going on in the world, uh, uh, and there's been a lot of coverage of it. Uh, I've got an article here from The Week, uh, and it, says, it, it quotes a fellow, Andrew Sullivan, in the Daily Beast. He says, for the first time in human history, the Internet enables people to create an alternative sexual reality. In the past, infidelity was fraught with the possibility of destructive consequences, including sexually transmitted diseases and unwanted pregnancies. Not so if you cheat through an online sex chat or pornographic webcam. He says these activities are wildly popular, especially among people under 35, because they allow otherwise monogamous individuals to, quote, let off some steam. Hmm. Uh, Another uh, author, Jessica Bennett, and I don't like what her conclusions, but she says a recent survey found that 65 percent of women and a whopping 80 percent of men say they'd cheat if they knew they wouldn't get caught. That's sad. uh, Then this author goes on to say, it's just unreasonable to expect one person to fulfill your every need, sexual or otherwise, through the decades of marriage. Cyber sex is just one of many ways modern couples are seeking something else. Is that what someone they interviewed said? No, that's what that author said. The author says that? Yeah. That that magazine needs to be Uh, burned. uh, Then in the New York Times, uh, Ross Duthit, I think is the way you say his name, he says, the Anthony Weiner scandal has reminded us that cybersex isn't about relationships at all. Now, this is going to tie this back to what we've been talking about. He says, cybersex isn't about relationships at all or even about sex. It's about narcissism in its most desperate and adolescent form. Oh. You don't tweet photos of yourself, you know, uh, you know, 
nasty photos of yourself as Anthony Weiner did because you're fascinated with the woman on the other end. You send them because you're fascinated with yourself. Narcissism, of course, exists long before Facebook and Twitter, but social media serves as a hall of mirrors in which it flourishes as never before. This obsessive new realm, the real in this obsessive new realm, the real thrill comes not from talking dirty, but from the chance to say over and over, look at me. Mm. So, again, he ties that all that all that kind of stuff back to the selfishness or self-centeredness uh, that is the root of all of this. All right. Well, good. Comment. But, well, I mean, that's not, not not good comments there, but I mean, that is, uh, I think, an accurate observation. It is an accurate observation. Yeah. But it's I tell you that one statistic cited there, 65 percent of women and 80 percent of men said they'd cheat if they knew they wouldn't get caught. That's stunning if that's accurate and well, I, I don't know i don't doubt that it is yeah i, I really don't doubt the, the I mean, accuracy you, of that yeah in, in the society we live in today yeah so uh what you see is that if you have followed this progression as we've been talking about it you have set yourself up finally because you are not satisfied with your relationship at home because nothing's going right there even the sexual relationship in your marriage has broken down and being neglected and now some other person shows special attention to you. Yep. And, I mean, it, it, you're easy prey. It, it's, it's, it's not going to be a challenge now for that person to tempt you into committing sexual immorality. All right, Jack makes a comment in the chat room. He says it's not new, but it is more prevalent. Would you comment on that? Do you think it is more prevalent? Do you think it's more prevalent? To, uh, it is probably more prevalent today than it was 20, 30 years ago. I think it is. I think you it's think more it's more prevalent today. Uh, than it's, cer- it's, been. it's certainly more out in the open than it's been in our generation or in our lifetime. It's more out in the open. I'm not saying that. I I think we're always making a mistake when we think we live in the worst of all possible times. All right. I, I, I don't, my, my my thoughts go back to Sodom and Gomorrah. Sodom and Gomorrah, the Roman Empire. I mean, yeah. Incredible immorality existed in. So I don't think we can say we live in the worst of all possible times, but it's bad. And it's, it's worse more, than it has been in the recent years. And it's more out in the open. People are, are there's no shame attached to it at all anymore. Okay. Uh, all right. Uh, Jack in his email says, drink water from your own cistern, running water from your own well, Proverbs chapter 5, verse 15. Once again, the sooner we realize it's not about me, the better off we'll be. Keeping your promise you made to your mate before God is exactly what God expects. If you are an American, you are not forced to marry. Instead, you willingly made a promise to your friend be joined to them forever, so be honorable and keep your promise and enjoy the water from your own sister. Okay, I think that's a good observation. Kevin Kelly in the in the chat room says, we think sexting and pornography and so forth are all new, but he quotes from Ecclesiastes 1 verse 9 beginning, the thing that hath been is that which shall be, and that which is done is that which shall be done, and there is no new thing under the sun. Is there anything whereof it may be said, see, this is new? It hath been already of old time, which was before us. Sexting and pornography uh, over the internet is a new way to do an old thing. That's right. That's right. It, and, that, and so he's he's, Say he's got a new tool. It, yeah. First John chapter two verse sixteen. Kevin references for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And uh, Stephen, uh, again taking this from the single perspective, if we desire to continue in sin, then we commit adultery on the Lord by breaking our covenant relationship to Him. If we are Christians, however, after marriage, this would translate into breaking of the covenant with our spouses. And so he says, you know, you need to be faithful to God prior to your marriage, so that you'll be faithful to God and your spouse in marriage. All right, uh, Dean says, you know, the the idea that you many, the majority of people would cheat if they wouldn't get caught, Dean correctly observes from Hebrews 14 or Hebrews 4 verse 13 everyone gets caught uh, it says neither is there any creature that's not manifest in his sight but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do all right and Jim in Mount Pleasant says it's not difficult to see selfishness at the heart of this sin of adultery or infidelity either yeah and it does go down that route to that uh, that uh, Bill Hall started us down that road that is paved with selfishness. Uh, Jack observes, I think he's right, with the Internet and the ability to hide in your own room, uh, this is more of an issue than ever before. Not new, but happens more often. I think that's right. I think the Internet uh, is a, dangerous is a thing. terribly dangerous thing in that regard because people think that they can achieve a degree of anonymity. It's right. not true even in the present world. I mean, people can find out what you've been doing, mm-hmm. but God knows instantaneously. Uh Let's see what right. else we got here. Any other comments? I think that I think you've touched on most of them. Uh, I think I think we're covered there. Okay. All right. Let's 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 go on to the last one. We've got one. just a few minutes before left. we separate. We need to talk about separation. All right. 
So now, the, again, progression. Selfishness, intolerance, resignation, end of sexual relationships, infidelity or adultery, separation. The thing that has obviously destroyed this home is sin, but not just the sin of adultery. Now, this is, this is the part of this article I really enjoyed uh, Bill Hall's observation. Notice, the thing that destroyed this marriage was not just the infidelity or the adultery. It doesn't happen. Because he says, for selfishness, intolerance, lack of love, bitterness, and failure to satisfy physical needs whenever possible, all constitute sin. In other words, every step in this progression was a sin. It wasn't just the last thing, adultery, that constituted sin. It started out with sin. Selfishness is a sin. Right. He says, we come to but one conclusion. Sin is the cause of broken homes. It may be sin on the part of both parties or on the part of only one, but a home is broken because of sin. Yeah. I think that's exactly right. Uh, you know, the, the end product is, is the result of the compilation of all those sins that we've been talking about tonight. Every one, every one of those things was a sin. Right. And every one of them should have been rooted out at that level. But when you keep, let them keep building on one another, then you the marriage this. is destroyed, and it's destroyed because of sin. That's right, and it doesn't. You, you wouldn't have the sin of you wouldn't have the marriage breaking up if the other sins you know weren't in place and hadn't been brewing or breeding that uh, that ultimate uh, effect. Yeah. Uh, Jeff references First uh, Corinthians seven ten through thirteen, where we're told not to separate. Uh, he says uh, these verses say God does not want the husband and wife to separate, but to remain together. Sure. All right. Jack uh, in Hampshire says, not sure of your definition, but if this is a legal term you are referring to such as what the couple might do to work out their differences, then separating yourself is setting yourself up for adultery. And that's a common uh, idea today is if it's not going good, we don't, we don't, maybe we don't get a divorce, we just separate. He's, he goes on to say, as a result of being in the military, we had to be apart, but we were still together in heart and purpose regardless of being half a, co- a continent apart for a year on two separate occasions. Uh I wouldn't recommend being separated like this, but it can be accomplished if you both agree and keep God first. Yeah, I, I, I don't think that that was the gist of Bill Hall's. I, I think he was just saying separation or divorce. The home is broken. The, the home is broken. Yeah. 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 Uh, uh, what else we got? Uh, uh, Stephen says, if we desire to separate from God with our sin, with whom should we have the closest relationship with? Uh, then nothing will stop us from separating from our spouses. Again, right. if you're not faithful to God, you're not going to be faithful to your spouse. And he's looking at this from a single perspective. Yeah. And then uh, Jim in, in Mount Pleasant says, again, the scriptures do speak about the separation of separate uh, about the concept of separation. First Corinthians seven, but only for the purpose of gaining spiritual strength in order to make the partnership better and more godly. You know, uh, there in first Corinthians seven, Paul mentions that you keep yourselves from one another only briefly for a time of prayer and fasting. So you should only keep yourself from each other for as long as you could go without eating. Oh, OK. So that's not long. Well, I guess not. Uh, so, uh, again, but I think in Bill Hall's article, he was uh, using separation as, the, as the, the dismantling of the marriage of the end, the destruction of the marriage. But he was pointing out you don't get to the point of being separated or divorced. I think he, I think he was really talking more about divorce there instead of the idea of a separation that was re- required because of some external circumstance or separation that you might do purposefully for the sake of prayer and fasting i think he was using the word separation there to suggest the idea of complete dissolution of the marriage yes i think so and it's easy to see how it happens and uh he concludes consider your own marriage if repentance is needed repent but god has joined together let no man put us under you know our marriages are going to have to have work i think all of the people in the chat room tonight and you can join you can agree with me in the chat room if you want but even those who've been married for 20 30 years are still working on things they're still fighting some of these problems uh, in their in their marriages, they're still working to to hone their marriage and make it to be what it needs to be. I don't think we ever get to the point where our marriage is on cruise control. That's right. It never is. You got to be you got to be working at it every day. All right. Uh, Kevin in the chat room says honor commitments to God, to wife, to all others. I think that's exactly right. Okay. Well, we've had some good comments. Certainly, some things, some, some important things for us to consider. As A lot we of good comments in the chat room. We appreciate everybody who's been in there talking with us in the chat room. Uh, we appreciate all of our listeners, and uh, uh, really, I think we can draw strength from each other when we talk about things that help make our lives better. And we we need to keep working at marriages to make them better. Jeff, you've been quiet tonight. Everything okay back there behind the controls? Yes, I'm trying to get over. 
Okay, all right. Well, we appreciate you being here, Jeff, and uh, helping us get on the air. Uh, Dad, a couple weeks from now we've got an interesting program. Oh, yeah, we have an interview scheduled for two weeks from tonight with uh, Frank Webb, who is a, a Baptist preacher uh, near here, and he's agreed to talk to us about the sinner's prayer. That's and good. So I'm hopefully in two that. weeks we'll do that. For, is he coming or is he going to be on the phone? I think we'll do it on the phone. Well, appreciate that. We'll look forward to that discussion. Uh, that that one coming up in a couple weeks. Next week, what are we talking about? Not sure yet. We're waiting oh, for our open, listeners to suggest Open, open to suggestions, yeah. always. Send us a suggestion on something you'd like to hear. Dad, thank you for your time tonight. Good to have you back. Thanks, Jacob. And uh, well, good to be with you tonight as well. We hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. We look forward to being with you again this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And in the meantime... We encourage you to put God first in your life, study his inspired word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the virtual Bible study brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.